It is an honor to be here with you guys again. Um, I'm so grateful to my parents, Pastor Frank and Lisa, for trusting me to bring a message to you guys. And I'm humbled and honored to be a servant of the Lord that he has equipped to deliver this message to you guys. We are going to jump right in to our um, text for this morning. But before we do that, um, if you have your Bible, would you raise it up? We're going to do a Bible declaration. If you need a Bible, you can um, flag down one of the ushers. All right. So let's do our Bible declaration together. We'll all say it at the same time. Ready? One, two, three. This is my Bible. It is my primary source of spiritual nourishment. I will read it every day and become all God wants me to be. My mind will be renewed. My life will be transformed. I will become fully surrendered to Christ. Therefore, I will hide his word in my heart so that I could be all God has destined me to be. Amen. Would you guys remain standing in honor of the word of God? We're going to go to John chapter 1, verses 10 through 12 and 14. Um, this scripture is speaking in reference to Jesus, and it says, He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Move to verse 14. It says, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. You guys can take a seat. One of the main things that stood out to me in that text was where it said, he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. With that in mind, I want to speak to you on the topic of who am I all in for? The past several weeks, Pastor has talked about being all in for Jesus, being all in. He defined being all in as being all in and committed no matter the cost, being full devotion to Christ no matter the cost, right? He shared with us the reasons why we should be all in. He shared with us what can happen if we're not all in. But what I want to present to you today is who am I being all in? in for. You may be here today and you may be unsure or skeptical as to who Jesus is. You may be here today and you might have a general understanding of who Jesus is, but the idea of full devotion, no matter what the cost, that can sound a little bit excessive. You may be here today and you may be fully aware of who Jesus is. You may be fully committed to being all in for him, but I encourage you to listen to this message with an open heart and an open open mind because the words, what the Lord has told me can then stir you to then provoke others to be all in for Jesus. Amen. If you have entered this room skeptical or weak in faith, the Lord has told me to tell you that by the end of this service, you will receive the answers that you have been looking for. However, at the end of this service, you will have to make a decision whether you want to believe and be all in for him or rather you might be good. The decision will be up to you, but the Lord is ready to speak to each and every one of us on a personal and intimate, an intimate way that will resonate deeply with each of us. 
With that said, let's just pray. Father God, I thank you for your miracles, Lord. I thank you for the miracle that just take, took place before us. I thank you for Frankie, Lord. I thank you for him, and I thank you that you healed him. I thank you that you touched each person who was up here, that they are pain-free throughout the rest of this service and the rest of their days. Father God, most importantly, I thank you for the gift of Jesus. I thank you that you gave us Jesus so that we could be set free and live this life with victory over the world. Father God, I ask that you empower me to communicate this message that has been crafted by you with the authority and power of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, who is Jesus and why do I need to be all in for him no matter the cost? Throughout the Bible, it is explained that Jesus was human. As the opening text said, the word became human. So Jesus was fully man. However, he was also fully God. That's an important concept to grasp, that he was human and divine at the same time. Sometimes we might think, oh, well, while he was on earth, he was human. And then after his resurrection, that's when he became divine. But no, he was human and divine at the same time. And that is very important to understand. It's essential to understand that in order to understand the power and authority that Jesus had. Let me prove it to you that I know Jesus was fully human. Matthew 2, 1, he was born. Luke 4, 2, he was tempted. Luke 4, 2, again, when he didn't eat, he was very hungry. Mark 4, 38, he slept. John eleven thirty five he wept. Luke 22, 42, he didn't want to endure suffering because he could feel pain. John 19, 28, he was thirsty. Those are all attributes that me and you have too, right? We can say that we have felt those things at one point or another, that those things happened to us. We were all born, right? We can say that, okay, he was fully human, right? Just like, just like us. But he was also fully divine because while he was fully human, he did these things. He healed deformities. He healed the blind. He healed the paralyzed. He healed those unable to speak. He healed those who suffered a long time with no answers. He raised people from the dead. He multiplied food and provided when he saw a need. He forgave sins and set people free. He delivered people from demons. He calmed storms. He was beaten, abused, and murdered so that you and I didn't have to suffer. He conquered death and was resurrected, proving his divinity to mankind. Can you see how he was fully man, but fully God? If he was just divine, the sacrifice of his life meant nothing. If he was just divine, the sacrifice of his life meant nothing. You see, if he was just divine, then his body that was crucified would not have been a genuine body. If he um, was just divine, the pain that he felt would not have been genuine pain. And truthfully, if he was just divine, then his sacrifice would have been for nothing. What do I mean by that? Well, God the Father in his full divinity does not bleed, right? He does not bleed. 
So if Jesus was just divine, then he, when he was nailed to the cross and crucified, there would have been no genuine blood spilled. Therefore, the principle of atonement would not have been fulfilled. Therefore, we would have no blood to claim over our lives. We couldn't claim the blood of Jesus because there would have been no blood to claim. He had to be human. He had to be human. If he was just divine, it wouldn't have worked. But if he was just human and not divine, he would have just been an ordinary person. If he was just human, he would have had no power or authority to save us. In fact, he wouldn't have saved us. If he was just human, if he was just a good person who did good things, then the whole story of his crucifixion would have been a cruel injustice, a disgrace to mankind, something that we forever should be ashamed about to treat someone who was innocent in such a way. Luke 23, 14, it explains that in Jesus' trial, they thoroughly examined him. Before he was crucified, he went to trial, and they examined him, and they could find no fault with him. They couldn't convict him of any crime because he was innocent. Matthew 27, 16, it explains that Pilate, he did not want to sentence Jesus to death because he knew that the religious leaders only wanted him gone because they were envious of him. Matthew 27, 4 explains that even Judas, the one who betrayed him, declared, I have sinned. I have betrayed an innocent man. When Jesus was dying on the cross, Luke 23, 40 explains that one of the criminals who was being crucified next to him, one of the criminals who deserved to die, who deserved to be judged, who deserved punishment, one of those criminals, they, they, um, protested on Jesus's behalf saying this man is innocent. He was innocent. So therefore, if he wasn't divine, then it was solely a corrupt murder. But if he wasn't human, it was for nothing. It is essential to understand that he was human and divine at the same time. Hallelujah. Once understanding the significance that Jesus is fully God and was fully man, we need to recognize that he is truly the son of God, which makes him the Messiah who was the promised deliverer. Our opening text said, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. He was the son of God, but people failed to recognize that. The Bible explains that even while Jesus was here on earth and he was performing miracles, that even those closest to him failed to recognize that he was the Messiah, that he was the true son of God. Luke 3.15 says, everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager. Yet when they were presented with who he was, when he was right in their face, they failed to recognize him. They were waiting for him. They were eager to meet him, but they failed to recognize him. Don't make that mistake. Don't make the mistake of being presented with who Jesus is and not recognize him. We can see Jesus all around us. As Christians, we are his witness to show others that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is real, that 
Jesus still possesses power today, that Jesus reigns victoriously. Hallelujah. Jesus was not just a man who was killed and then died, but rather Jesus is the resurrected one, the true son of God who is alive today. Hallelujah. And we just saw how alive Jesus was when he healed Frankie and the other individuals who was up there, who were up here. You guys just got to see how alive Jesus is and how his name possesses power because he is the son of God. Hallelujah. However, in the Bible, even Jesus's own disciples were unsure of exactly who he was. They didn't reject him, but they expressed uncertainty. They were confused. They knew that he had a power about him, but they didn't know who he was. They failed to recognize him. In Matthew 8, Jesus and the disciples, they were on their boat and a bad storm hit. Jesus calmed the storm and verse 27 says, the disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They asked. Even the winds and waves obey him. Who is this man? They asked. In John 16, 31, Jesus asks his disciples if they finally believe that he came from God. Some of those closest to him were uncertain of who he was. They loved him. They respected him. They knew he had a power and authority that came from God, but they failed to recognize that he was the son of God. Matthew 16, 13 says, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. People knew Jesus was anointed, but they struggled to identify that he was the son of God, the chosen Messiah, the promised deliverer. As our opening text said, the world didn't recognize him. But do you know who didn't struggle to recognize that Jesus was the son of God? Demons. Demons did not struggle to acknowledge and recognize that Jesus was the son of God. Mark 3.11. And whenever those possessed by evil spirits caught sight of him, the spirits would throw them to the ground in front of him shrieking, you are the son of God. This world needs to identify the power and potency that comes in Jesus being the Messiah, in Jesus being the Son of God. This world needs to identify that Jesus was a real man who indeed was really God. This world needs to understand that because of these things, there is freedom-saving power in the name of Jesus. There is healing-saving power in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And maybe if this world could recognize who Jesus is. We could finally unite. We live in a world that constantly divides us. It constantly puts us against each other. But if we could just recognize and identify that we all have something in common and it's that Jesus came to set us free, maybe then we could finally unite. This world needs to understand who Jesus is. And I refuse to allow this generation to not know him. I refuse to allow this generation to be confused as to who he is. I refuse to allow this generation to think that Jesus isn't compassionate, that Jesus doesn't understand, that he has all of these expectations and rules that we can't meet. I refuse to ever feel guilt that if someone I love passes away without surrendering their 
their life to Christ, I refuse to allow that to feel as though that it's because I didn't try hard enough. I refuse to hear things about people from my past and feel as though that I failed them by not showing them the love of Jesus and by not telling them how good he is. I refuse to allow it to happen. My desire is for anybody who knows me to see Jesus through me and come to know him. I refuse to not for the rest of my days share of his goodness. I refuse because he gave me joy. He saved my life. He picked me up when I was at my lowest. He gave me freedom through him. I can live victorious in this world. And one day I will live eternally in heaven because of him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As real as Jesus is, it is normal for us to sometimes feel confusion um, or uncertainty as to how powerful he is. He's such a powerful being. It can be hard to wrap our minds around how powerful he is. However, if our mind is ever filled with doubt, it is very important to combat that doubt, that feeling of confusion, that feeling of uncertainty with what you feel and what you see. Now, I know that that can sound a little bit weird because what if we feel something that isn't of the Lord, are we to embrace it? That's not what I'm referring to. I am solely saying that in reference to the power and authority of Jesus Christ, you cannot deny what you feel and what you see. Um, the Lord promised me that people would be healed today. We saw that happen in the beginning of the service. We had that happen in the 9 a.m. service. The Lord promised me that he would perform miracles, signs, and wonders today. He already has, and he has more that he will do. And I said this to the 9 a.m. service. That's a bold statement for me to make, but it's not my statement to make. It's a statement of Almighty God who has told me to tell you that. You will see miracles, signs, and wonders take place today, more than what already happened. When you see it, though, will you doubt what you're seeing? Some of you might already feel a stirring on the inside of you. That's Jesus. That's Jesus showing you that he's real. As this service progresses, that stirring will just continue to take place. Will you deny it? Will you deny what you feel? Will you deny what you see in reference to the power of Jesus? Jesus was real. Jesus was human and divine at the same time. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the chosen Messiah and he came to deliver us. Do not doubt him. Luke 24, 13, 21. It, it takes place after Jesus was crucified and after his resurrection. But at this time, nobody knew that he had rose again. Everybody thought he was still dead. So two women, they were, they were walking and they were discussing how brutal and wrong and inhumane Jesus's death and murder was. And Jesus appeared to them on the road, but the women didn't identify who he was. Shocker, because in the beginning text, they failed to recognize him. They still failed to recognize him. He was right before them. They failed to recognize him. Jesus asks them, what are you talking about? What are you discussing? Verse 19 of Luke 24 says, they said, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah. 
Even after all that, they had hoped he was the Messiah. Jesus fulfilled so many prophecies, yet they still had hoped he was the Messiah. Jesus responds to them in verse 25 through 26. He said, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Jesus then took them through all the scriptures and through the prophecies and began to reveal to them that every single one of them came to pass. It became, it, be, uh, it became very late, so the women invited Jesus to come back to their home for a meal. They still didn't recognize who he was. But as Jesus sat down at the table, he took bread and he broke it, and immediately they recognized who he was. The text goes on to explain verses 25 and 26. Oh, excuse me. No, verse 32. Um, they, The women acknowledged to each other once they realized who he was. They acknowledged in verse 32. Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures? They acknowledged that they had a stirring in their heart. They acknowledged that they felt something in their spirit, but they doubted so they didn't recognize him, but they didn't deny the fact that they felt a stirring. So after the women realized that Jesus was alive, they go to the other disciples to share this news with them. Verse 36 says that as, as they were um, telling this news to the disciples, verse 36 says, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them, but the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost. The disciples physically saw the manifestation of a miracle. They saw that he was crucified, and then they saw that he was alive right before their very eyes. They saw, but they still were filled with doubt. But thank God that Jesus still revealed himself. Thank God that Jesus didn't say, well, they doubt me, and they think I'm a ghost, and they went on their way. But rather, Jesus said, no, I am Jesus. Touch my wounds. Look at my wounds. Touch my hands. Touch my feet. Jesus showed them again. I know you denied what you felt. I know you deny what you see, but here's more proof that I am really the same Jesus who you saw do miracles. I'm the same Jesus who healed. I'm the same Jesus. I am the Messiah. I am the true son of God. Yes, you saw me be crucified, but I rose again declaring that I am the chosen one. I am the promised deliverer. Doubt can be the biggest stumbling block to receive true freedom. There's a very real enemy in this world, the devil, who utilizes the tactic of deceit and doubt to taint what is true. But how many of you know that you can't change what's true? If I told you my account of what happened this morning, it's truth. I was there, and it's my truth. You can't change the fact that I'm telling the truth when I say something that happened to me happened, right? Right? But people can plant deceit. They can twist my words and they can cause you to doubt my truth. But that doesn't mean that it's not true. It just means that there's now doubt in it. But my truth is my truth. My truth is a fact. Jesus, he saw that his followers denied their feelings 
They denied what they saw. So he showed them his wounds. You might be here today and be like, well, I'd like to see Jesus' wounds. Unfortunately, until we get to heaven, we can't see his actual wounds. But that doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't show his wounds to us in different ways. Jesus, he will always give us chance after chance after chance after chance to know who he really is because he knows that our, there's an enemy who's going to cause us to doubt, but he doesn't want us to doubt. So he constantly will show his wounds to us. From a biblical perspective, Luke 1, verses 1 through 2 and 4 says, Luke says this, Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They use the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Verse 4, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. Now, I understand that people who don't believe in God are not going to be like, oh, well, the word of God is a credible source. I understand that people who don't believe in God don't really care what a follower of Christ named Luke has to say. I understand that who is Luke, so why should I trust Luke? I get that. But Luke found it necessary to say you can be certain of the truth because the Lord told him people would doubt it. Why else would he have written it? The same way that Jesus said to the disciples, look at my wounds. That verse is to us a look at my wounds verse. It's a this is true. There are so many um, examples throughout the gospels where the where the, the writers say this is a credible source. There are eyewitnesses who saw this happen. We're writing this from an eyewitness perspective perspective. Jesus said to the disciples, look at my wounds. And he's saying to you, look at my wounds. There are many um, secular historians who they had no desire to teach about Christianity. Um, there are two historians who date back to 50 and 70 years after Jesus's life. Um, again, they had no desire to spread the gospel. However, even they documented about Jesus's life, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. They documented the same weather that took place that the Bible says took place when Jesus was killed and died. They've documented that what was prophesied would happen hundreds of years before Jesus was born did happen through the life of Jesus. Again, Jesus said to his disciples, look at my wounds. And he's saying to you, look at my wounds. Jesus will constantly reveal to you his wounds that are personal to you that show you that he is alive. However, At some point, it's going to be up to you to decide if you believe what you're seeing, if you believe what you're feeling, if you doubt the wounds, if you will. It's up to you to believe it. God's not going to force himself upon you. It's a decision that you have to make. It's a decision that you have to make to be all in for him. The scriptures say that before Jesus was crucified, the council, they said to him, tell us, are you the Messiah? But Jesus replied, if I tell you, you won't believe me. Their hearts were so hardened that at that point, it didn't even matter to them. Don't allow your heart to become hardened to the point of recognizing who Jesus is. Jesus is real. Jesus loves you. I believe that Jesus is tugging on the hearts of certain people in this room right now. Our opening text, it said, he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But 
to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus came to give us the best life that we could ever imagine. He gave us the right to become children of God. And with that comes so many perks. With that comes victory over this world. With that comes joy. With that comes freedom. With that comes success. With that comes happiness and healing. Hallelujah. However, once we make, in order to become children of God, we need to make the decision to believe and accept him. And once we make that decision, we need to be committed to serving him. We need to be all in for him. Jesus himself said that we need to be all in. He compared it to salt. He said in Luke 14, 34 through 35, salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soul nor for the manure pile. It's thrown away. Are you flavorless salt? The past several weeks, many have committed to be all in for Christ. But if you haven't yet, now is your time. Don't let doubt or the ways of the world cloud your judgment. After everything he went through for us, he deserves for us to be fully committed to him. That's why we're all in no matter the cost. That's why we should want to be all in no matter the cost. It's because he gave us, he gave us his life. So no matter the cost, I'm willing to honor and serve him for the rest of the, my life. No matter the cost, I want to prioritize him. I want to sing of his goodness. I want to bless his name. I want to make him happy. I want him to know that his suffering was not in vain. It wasn't for no reason. I want him to know that I love him and I don't take his gift of life for granted. Hallelujah. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus personally. Maybe you've heard about him before, but you never made a decision to be committed to know him. He's extending himself to you right now. That stirring that you feel on the inside of you, it's Jesus. It's Jesus showing you that he's real and it's Jesus convicting you. Because unfortunately, without Jesus, we are sinners. And unfortunately, sinners do not get to reap the benefits that those who are children of God get to reap. Sinners will live a life on this earth that is filled with hardships. Sinners will live a life on this earth where they do not reach their full potential. And most, the saddest thing is that sinners who die will go to a place of forever suffering, a place that no man was ever supposed to go to. It's referred to as a place where maggots never die, where fire never goes out. It's referred to of constant gnashing of teeth, a place of suffering and complete darkness. But God didn't want any man to go to that place. That place is called hell, and that place was not for mankind to go. So God gave us Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus is the best gift that we can ever receive, because through Jesus, we can live a life on this earth victoriously. If hardships arise, we can claim the blood, the genuine blood of Jesus over our hardships, and we can come out of them victorious. And most importantly, when we die, we can live forever in a beautiful place called heaven with no suffering, with no darkness, with no maggots and gnashing of teeth because we have Jesus who came to give us that life. In a moment, I'm going to ask those of you who have never surrendered your life to Jesus to stand. Why do I ask you to stand? The reason is because the Bible says, Jesus says, that if we deny him on earth, he will deny us in heaven. 
If you cannot say honestly to yourself, if I die right this second, I will go to heaven. I, I encourage you to seek your heart and decide, do I want to believe in God? Do I believe in God? Is this stirring? Is what I have already seen? Is it enough for me to believe that Jesus is the son of God, that Jesus came to set me free, that he died on a cross for me personally. And then three days later rose again, proving his divinity to the whole world. Hallelujah. I also ask you to stand because Jesus died a painful, shameful, embarrassing, gruesome death publicly. Therefore, the least that we can do is publicly declare, yes, Lord, I believe in you. Yes, Lord, I surrender my life to you. We, we hear on the news, especially lately, all of these corrupt murders that take place, wrongful murders of people who didn't deserve it. I want, and it fuels us. We get so angry about it. And I want you to think of one of those situations and then imagine it to the extreme. And when you get to that extreme, imagine that it's even more extreme than that. We cannot possibly understand how gruesome and wrong Jesus's uh, crucifixion was because it was so inhumane. Yet he did it for us. Jesus did not want to die. He did not want to suffer. He didn't want to feel pain. He asked the Lord, if there's another way out, God, give me the way out. But he willingly went and he willingly suffered because he knew that if he had a way out, we wouldn't. He willingly went so that you and I could be set free, live this life victoriously, and one day live with him eternally in heaven. So if you want to surrender yourself to to Christ right now on the count of three with boldness, I want you to stand up. I'm ready to give my life to Christ. One, two, three. Stand with boldness and confidence. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 There's more people here. You don't have to be ashamed. I know in my heart that you feel a stirring because I feel that stirring too. This is your sign that you do feel it. I know you feel it. Stand and claim the freeing freeing power of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says that when one person comes to know Christ, all of heaven rejoices. We have over 11 people standing right now. Can you imagine the party that's taking place in heaven? Hallelujah. 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 We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for salvation and freedom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll wait one more minute. One more minute, because you're worth it. When Jesus died on the cross, he had you in his mind. He knew that you would need a savior. He knew that you would mess up. He knew that you would slip up. He knew that hardships would come your way. Jesus had you on his mind when they were nailing him to a cross. So one more time, I'll ask if there's anybody here, stand up with boldness. He's ready to set you free for eternity. Hallelujah. 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 I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. We're going to all say it together. You can repeat after me. This prayer is is going to seal the deal. You guys just made a public declaration that you surrender your life to Jesus. You made the best decision of your life. 
And this prayer is going to seal that deal. Ready? We're going to just repeat this prayer. Let's all say it together. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you gave up your life so that I could be made free. I thank you that you are good. I surrender myself to you. I declare, I boldly declare that my life will never be the the same. I'm a child of God now. I will follow him. I'll be committed to him no matter the cost for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.